And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Healthy Matters on this snowy Sunday morning. And it is still good morning, Dr. Hilden. Good by morning. The way. And we look out the the window here and we see that it's still snowing and a little blowing. January, well. we're at January 99th. I'll tell you something. what, this is something. And I know you and I were talking uh, off air. This is going to be an open line show today, just to get that uh, straightened out. But uh, how was your drive in? I noticed uh, that you and I agreed there's, you can't see the lane lines. You can't it's, see it's anything. You know, I do have to hand it to the snow plow oh, yeah. drivers, the men and women. They're doing a great job. In, but, um, you know, I don't even know how they can possibly keep up. It made me wonder about the Minneapolis airport. Is How did they possibly keep that huge miles-long runway? and Constantly. Con- they must have to go yes. back and forth. It's sort of like me in my little driveway. You know, I get to the end of it, and I've got this little bitty snowblower. And by the time I'm at the end of You've it, I've got to start over. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if you're listening on this podcast later and you're not listening live, we're, we're doing a show from a very snowy day, a very snowy April day. Um, it's pretty, isn't it? Uh, the official uh, count at the airport is 12.9 inches. It's we not bad for an April day. You know, I, I some some joker on my, like, uh, Facebook page or something posted a picture of his deck and his boat and his at his cabin, and it was a year ago. Oh. Right. You, know, you know, and it's like, this is what we were doing last year. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Um, you know, uh, hats off, really, to the plow drivers. But, you know, I'm on 35W on the way in, and, and it's plowed. It's pretty good, but there's no pavement showing no 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 <laughs> and i i think there's some ice underneath that a too, little so bit of ice so, so just just be careful if you have to if you don't have to go out today don't yeah maybe don't but here's the other thing is that people are you know i'm driving you know kind of little old granny and grandpa kind of a thing i'm driving kind of slow and somebody blows by me about 50 or 60 you know they have a four-wheel drive or something so i get why they're doing that but the four-wheel drives are very good for getting you going, but they don't stop very well on ice. So what are you driving 60 miles an hour? <laughs> I know. And ice, forget it. doesn't matter what you're driving if there's exactly. ice. Well, as I said, it's an open line show, which means uh, we're not going to be talking about any particular topic, your health topic. So it's up to you. You can call uh, Dr. Hilden or you can send a text for your general health questions, 651-989-9226. Uh, text number is 81807. So don't wait. We tend to get real busy, and then uh, sometimes we run out of time. We can't uh, we can't answer all the questions. Now, uh, we, we've got some pretty exciting news. Can we talk a little bit? I about think that? let's do that. Let's talk about that. We're you know this is our tenth year on the air. We're not at our tenth birthday yet, but this is the tenth year right. of Healthy Matters. Um, I remember when I met you, Denny. It was in well, I don't know two thousand eight or something like that, and we were going to do the show, see how it went. Yeah, and that was ten years ago. We're going to celebrate that there. If this was not my idea, but somebody at the hospital said, let's call it the decade with Dave. And so I like that. So uh, to, cele- a nice ring to, to celebrate this year, um, we're going to do a live show. And I want and I hope um, listeners will take me up on this. I want a bunch of listeners to come to a live show and we're going to do it on June 10th. That show is going to be in downtown Minneapolis live with people who are listeners and. Um, at the Hennepin Healthcare's Clinic and Specialty Center. That's our new clinic. We're going to do a radio show from a clinic. It's going to be the atrium, though? It's going to be in the atrium. It's beautiful. There's artwork. We'll have coffee. I don't know if I can convince the PR people at the hospital to have mimosas. You know, There's probably some Hmm. rule about alcohol. There probably is. There probably is, but we'll have coffee. And what we're going to do is we're going to have you RSVP because we can't have – there will be limited seating. That RSVP method we're still developing, but it will be on myhealthymatters.org. That is the website associated with the show. That's my blog, myhealthymatters.org. And so today I'm going to put up um, just a little bit of information about that. And um, in preparation for the show, 
I'm going to ask you to tell me your stories about about listening to the show. Uh, I've had so many people over the 10 years tell me their their Healthy Matter story. One guy called in from South Africa. He listens from South Africa um, on the Internet. Um, I had another guy who, who was in the intensive care unit. He woke up and wanted to make sure he had been taken to the hospital that he had requested. Mm. And we asked him, and he said, I wanted to go to Hennepin because I listened to Healthy Matters. So he literally told that? the paramedics. Um, many of you tell me about how you listen on your way to church. I'd love to know what churches those are. Um, uh, whatever your story is um, about how long you've been listening or about how the show has impacted your Sunday morning, I would love you to go to myhealthymatters.org and type it in. Um, just give me a few lines about how you listen, and I'm going to share those stories in the coming months so on the air. And then um, in the coming weeks, there will be a method by which you can RSVP to the live show, which will be on June 10th at its usual time, mm-hmm. 7.30 in the morning um, at the Clinic and Specialty Center. And then I'm going to have several guests who have been on the show in the past. So you will get to meet some of the guests who have been on the show. Some of um, uh, them have been repeat guests. And uh, so we're lining them up. I'd love to shake your hand. We're going to try to maybe have a few giveaways there, maybe something uh, uh, for everybody who comes. So it's going to be a great thing, but seating will be limited. So the RSVP is not yet open, but it will be at myhealthymatters.org. One other thing I want to tell you is that last week's show was a hit with um, loads of listeners. We did Women's Heart Health with Dr. Carlson and Jill Jordan, two of our cardiology colleagues. I have put – or they have – graciously answered many of the text questions that we did not get to. So if you texted a question in last week or you were just um, interested in the subject, go to myhealthymatters.org. Do that now. That one's there. And um, they have answered many of the questions from last week's show. So you can do that immediately. Go to myhealthymatters.org and do that as well. Very good. If you have a general health question for the doctor about you or a loved one, 651-989-9226. Or send a text like some folks are doing, uh, 81807, 81807. We're starting to get a few uh, as we speak. But there is a line open if we want to use the phone to chat with the doctor, 651-989-9226. And again, we'll get an uh, update with Mike Lynch coming up in about four or five minutes from right now. You ready to grab a text? text? Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's start with a text today. I sometimes don't get to many of those while we line up calls. Here's one that says... um, Good morning. Wondering about the Inspire implant for sleep apnea and snoring. Is it the real deal or just another gimmick? That's thanks from Larry. Larry, I'm going to say I don't know. And, and I think yeah, it's important that I do that when I don't know. Um, I, I tell you what I will do, though, is I will look into it um, and see a little bit more about sleep apnea. Um, just it's kind of coincidental. One of the um, topics on the show that is very popular is sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to line up somebody from our sleep center for oh, yeah. our live show on June 10th. But um, sleep apnea is the standard to treatment as a CPAP machine. But there are some implants. There are some devices that people can use that show some promise. So I'm going to answer your response to say I don't know about that specific implant, but I do know that some of the um, uh, some of the um, implantable things they can do are showing some promise, but that doesn't mean they're working for everybody. So, Larry, I'm sorry I don't have a good answer for that. Um, that was like the biggest non-answer in the history. I sound like a politician. <laughs> I talked for two minutes about an answer. I don't even know what the Does answer is. Does it work? We have to say, well, it depends. It all depends. <laughs> you know. Um, but I will uh, – um, if you're a regular listener, uh, Larry, keep listening um, – 
and I will uh, I will try to do it either in future weeks or if I even have time before the end of this uh, show. But that's um, that, that's maybe not quite as possible. But I'll try to get you more information on that later. Here's another text that okay. says, I've had four or five surgeries since Labor Day. Lots of Vicodin. I have now stopped the Vicodin. How soon will I pass a job drug test? Oh, mm, that's a good question as is. well. So Vicodin is hydrocodone. And um, – uh, that is a narcotic pain medication, and all of them last for some time in your urine. And this is going to be another question that I don't have the answer to. Some things like cannabis, marijuana, last weeks in your urine. Other things pass very quickly in just a few days. Things like, well, I'll say cocaine. Um, I don't know why that one came to mind, but that one passes quickly. Opiates show up in your urine for some days, but they all have different life um, uh, um, lives. Uh, how long they last. So I don't know exactly how long um, it will last. But that's another thing that I can perhaps look up for you. And I'm sorry I don't have a specific answer to that one either. All right. Let's go to the phones. There's a line open, 651-989-9226. Mark is calling from St. Louis Park, I think. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, I have a problem with my ear. It's like uh, you get water when you go swimming, and it's in the ear, and it's it's has stayed. It's about a week. Yeah, um, Mark, um, does, uh, do you have any drainage coming out of your ear or is this just, um, like fluid you can feel inside your head? Yeah, just, uh, no drainage at all. No drainage at all. Yeah. So probably what has happened is that you either have, you have some inflammatory condition of your sinuses or your nasal cavity and it worked its way up your eustachian tube into your middle ear, probably. Um, the reason I ask is if it's coming out the ear because, you know, your, your, ear that you can see has a little tube and then it is blocked by your eardrum. There is a solid membrane in between that and then everything that happens inside. So the, the only, if, if there's fluid on the outside of that, it would be you could feel draining coming out of your ear. That's, that's what we call otitis externa, the external part. But if there's fluid behind your eardrum, in the middle cavity of your ear, we call it otitis media. Otitis is inflammation of the ear. Media is median in the middle. Um, and that's probably what you have. Now, whether it's a bacterial infection or a viral infection or just a non-infectious allergic reaction or just some fluid that developed in there because the weather's bad. Um, whatever it is, it's probably non-infected or um, fluid in your middle ear. Um, it will likely drain on its own. But if you have pain in your ear or if it does start to drain out your ear, meaning your ear could have perforated, that would be something to be seen. If your hearing is bad, Mark, if you're losing your hearing, um, then you should go in. So my advice is um, give it a little more time. It's only been a week. It could be another week or two. Uh, you might try sinus irrigation techniques. Try a neti pot. Try those sinus cleansing things. And irrigate your nose to let it drain. You might try some drying agents like decongestants um, uh, that you can buy in the drugstore. And if it does not get better in a week or two, then maybe be seen. I doubt you need antibiotics. I doubt you need anything else. But if it doesn't get better or if you have hearing loss, then you should go in maybe this week. 
All right. We need to take a quick break for weather. Let's get a weather update with Mike Lynch from the Lenox Premier Dealers Storm Center. Mike, fill us in. What's to come here today? Well, well, things are winding down. We're kind of on the back end of the system, literally, and it's kind of strange. We'll have waves of snow coming in today, uh, generally light, maybe a little heavier than that, and they'll be coming in from the east. We could see a total of two to four inches of snow, more than that in western Wisconsin. And the winds are down, still some blowing and drifting, uh, maybe as much to cause some problems in the western part of Wisconsin. That's why they have a winter storm warning out now. Uh, we've had anywhere in the Twin Cities from about 9 to 17 inches of snow. We're going to get some additional snow today. 12.9 officially at the Twin Cities Airport as of 7 a.m. this morning. Uh, if we get another 8 tenths of an inch of snow, we'll break the record going back to 1983, and this will be the biggest April snowfall on record already. We've had the most snowfall we've ever had in the month of April ever that old record back in 1983 so the snow is winding down but it's going to still be with us on and on most of the day denny all right very good mike we'll be checking back in with mike lynch uh, throughout the day today to keep you well informed light snow right now sees you a temperature rating 24 and welcome back to this portion of healthy matters it's an open line show today and if you have a question general health question not any particular topic today you're driving the show either by phone or by text and we do have a line open if you want to use the phone. 651-989-9226. Text, and we're getting a bunch of those. 81807. Here again is Dr. Hilden. Thanks, Denny. We'll hit a couple more of these text messages. Um, there seems to be a lot of interest in the heart on these questions, so I'll do a few cardiology questions. But before I do, I do want to tell you that um, last week we did a heart show and a couple of these text questions we do answer in some more detail um, on the heart show. Um, so I would um, go um, on your computer to myhealthymatters.org, and some of these questions are answered um, kind of specifically, and um, including um, one about heartbreak and heartache and heart attack. That one was on um, uh, last week's show. We talked about that subject, and I'll read the text that came today. It says... What is the difference between a heart attack and a heartbreak? I'm a female, 46 years old, and I have some pain, but I'm also grieving the loss of my mother. Um, Dr. Michelle Carlson does answer that very question on MyHealthyMatters.org. So I'll just briefly say a heart attack is a blocked artery. It's a plumbing problem in your heart, and and it causes the heart muscle to die off, and it hurts, and um, uh, there's lots of good treatments for it. So if you have Pain in your chest that comes on quickly, doesn't seem to be going away. It's usually a heavy pressure. Um, uh, call 911. A heart attack is very treatable. Heart um, break. There is a thing called stress cardiomyopathy, which is when your heart basically goes into a form of heart failure due to extreme psychological, emotional, or physical stress, like grief. So people sometimes have um, – uh, they, they be recently become widowed, for instance, and then the next week their heart is weak. That is called a stress cardiomyopathy. Um, sometimes in the popular press, it's called um, the broken heart syndrome, and it's a real thing. It's very distinct from a heart attack, though. And and so um, go to myhealthymatters.org to hear more about that. All right, back to the phones we go. Catherine is calling first up here. Catherine, what's your question for Dr. Hilden? Um, I have angioedema and hives. They come kind of at the same time. I get the bumps on my head. The things leave in a few days, but the hives are so itchy. I haven't asked a doctor about it in a couple of years because nothing's really helped. Even the prednisone, which I, you know, I've been given a few times, the hives go away, but they're right back again. And this started, and I had it steadily for two years. 
Now, suddenly, in January, it's back again. And I have itchy places or bumps almost every day. Catherine, did somebody ever tell you or was able to figure out what was causing it? Because this sounds allergic. No, no. uh, I never have gone in for uh, all the allergy tests because the stuff is gone. The same, you know, the hives are there, they're red the next day, and then gone after that. It just doesn't seem like a big... A big enough to, thing to do. Yeah, that. I would go in because they keep coming back. And even if you don't have them um, when you go, and it never happens that you have the symptom you went into. The of doctor. course. You have yeah. your body's full of these itchy bumps and then you get to the doctor and they're not there. But they can do testing anyway, Catherine. And hives are not always an allergic thing. They can be due to some other things, but it's, it's your body is usually has a reaction to some allergen. Angioedema is also similarly a reaction to something. Angioedema, for listeners, is fluid that leaks out of your blood vessels and collects in other places, um, often in the face, but it can be anywhere. And, but I would go in because they can do specific tests. They can do tests for medications you might be on. They can do tests for for um, contact, things that are would contact your skin. They can do food allergy testing, and they can do it even if you don't have the symptoms right then. Now, the treatments you're getting are symptomatic only. When, you get, when your doctor prescribes prednisone, prednisone is one of those meds that it's sort of like, take this, you'll feel better in the morning. And it always works, you know, because prednisone is just a strong anti-inflammatory. So it just calms things down. But you're not even getting complete relief with prednisone. And, and prednisone is nonspecific. It treats about 100 conditions, not just one or two. So it's not treating specifically what you have. It's just trying to make the itchy bumps go away. And so I would go into an allergist. Of course, I'm very partial to my very good friend, John Sweet, who is in the swankiest new allergy clinic in the world here in downtown Minneapolis. But um, that's what I would suggest. I would see an allergist because um, they can make this better, Catherine. All right, very good. You know, I think uh, before we have to break, should we grab uh, another text? Sure. Here is um, some a person that's asking about uh, mitral valve insufficiency. That's also called mitral valve regurgitation. Your circulatory system, your heart and blood vessels are a one-way circulation. Things always go one direction, one direction, one direction, from your left side of your heart to your body to your veins to the right side of your heart to your lungs. Repeat, 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 repeat. When you have mitral valve regurgitation, that valve is leaky and it's going backwards. It can lead to heart failure and particularly shortness of breath. So if you're short of breath, um, particularly that's the symptom, um, and you know you have mitral valve regurgitation, see a cardiologist and they can help you out. Tell you what, let's uh, try to get Ann and Crystal's question either answered or we'll carry it over to the other side. Ann, what is your question for the doctor? Yes, I have um, on my right ankle or my right heel, every once in a while I just get a uh, sharp prick like somebody stuck a needle into it and then it goes away and it's fine and then I'll get it again. It sounds to me like something like you might have some arthritis or some pulling, which has led to a spur, like a heel spur, a bone spur. I don't know that for sure, Ann, but that's one possibility. And it just you're hitting it wrong, or the nerve gets um uh, gets irritated a little bit. That's a possibility. It could also be plantar fasciitis, which is heel pain. That's usually a more persistent heel pain. It doesn't just come and go like what you have, but that's also a possibility. 
I think I would start with making sure you have good shoes. Every podiatrist I know would say, get good shoes. Don't wear like high heels for sure. Um, and get good shoes. Maybe see um, a walking person, somebody who, who can help you get fitted for good walking shoes. And then they can do some x-rays if you go to your primary doctor. You can get some x-rays to see if you indeed have things like um, um, bone spurs in your heel. They're relatively common. Over time, the tendons um, are, that are pulling, pulling, pulling on that bone of your heel, eventually, you know, over the years and over the decades, they sort of wear away the bone a little bit. So that's where I would begin. And if you need more specialty, specialty help, a podiatrist is a good route to go. Good deal. We have to take a break, Dr. Hilden. We'll uh, have another half hour of the show to go. So if you miss getting in your question answered uh, the first half hour, we'll have another uh, shot at it. 651-989-9226. There's a line open if you want to fill it. Otherwise, send a text and we'll get back to those. 81807. Right now in the Twin Cities, light snow still falling. It's 24 degrees here on CCO. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden. Internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. Uh, good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters this Sunday morning. We are doing an open line show today. That means uh, you're driving the show. Your uh, general health questions for Dr. David Hilden, either by phone or by text. And as you can see, Doctor, we have both, a bunch of both. 651 989 9226. Text is 81807. John is calling from Mendota Heights with a question. John, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Oh, hi, doctor. I have a uh, low resting uh, pulse. It's uh, I just noticed it about two days ago. It went from you know the mid seventies down to about thirty six to forty. And I'm I'm on high blood pressure medicine, and the blood pressure is normal. I didn't really have any physical symptoms, no dizziness or anything, but. Uh, it's just that that resting pulse rate has gone down. It does go up if I'm active, but it drops right back down into the 30s, high 30s, or low 40s. And, John, you don't have any symptoms when that happens? You don't get lightheaded or dizzy or anything like that? No, no. That's I only notice it because I occasionally take a blood pressure right. uh, to just see how the pills are working. So Yeah, so what you have is called bradycardia. Not, you know, like in the Brady Bunch, bradycardia. Brady means slow. And we only worry about bradycardia when it's symptomatic. So if your blood pressure is dropping too low and your heart's going 36, you're going to be dizzy and you're going to be woozy. And then we need to do something because um, that can be due to an intrinsic um, uh, pacemaker problem in your heart. In other words, the natural pacing electrical system of your heart, the one you were born with, is malfunctioning, and that's treated with a pacemaker. However, most people with bradycardia don't have that problem. Most people, it's either due to a medication you're on or it's um, it's just a little bit overactive um, nervous system that's controlling your heart, and so it slows your heart down. And if it's not symptomatic, you don't really have to worry about it. 
But the, but I would at least look into it. Um, not emergently. It's not an emergency. But I might have your doctor um, uh, run an EKG and just see um, – make sure that your heart rhythm is normal and you don't have some conduction delay um, in, in your in your heart electrical activity that could be an underlying cause of it. So I don't think you have to worry. But it is something that I would just kind of look into. All right. Does that sound good? Very good. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six eight one eight zero seven. If you want to send the text question, uh, let's see who's waiting. Sheila is calling from uh, St. Paul, I believe. Go ahead, Sheila. Thank you. Um, yes, doctor. Um, you know, and this is a true story. The last colonoscopy I had, they uh, put me under. They did not tell me they were going to um, uh, monitor my heart, but. For a full colonoscopy, do they have to put you under, and how long does it take, and can this cause irritable bowel syndrome? Okay, great question, Sheila. Um, uh, The last one is no, it does not cause irritable bowel syndrome. Those are unrelated. Um, A colonoscopy, you're you're usually not put under completely. Um, Generally, what is done is called a moderate sedation or a conscious sedation. You're given often two medications, one um, fentanyl and one is called Versed, and they're in very low doses, and they are not considered anesthesia. You are not unconscious. Um, Your brain is at a much higher level of functioning. In fact, many people are wide awake through the whole colonoscopy. Now, when I had it done, I dozed off. And mm-hmm. most people, you're kind of dozing off. Um, that might be anywhere from 5 to 10 or 15 minutes of dozing off. Um, and that's, that's kind of typical. But if somebody gave you a light shake, you'd, be, you'd, you'd wake up, which is not the case for anesthesiology. If you're put under for like a, a surgery, no shaking is going to no, wake uh, you up. You are literally unconscious. But you would, you're, you're basically in a snooze. And that's what happens in your colonoscopy. And that's just so that you don't have to um, be you know, fully aware of what they're doing. Um, uh, so some people, a very, very, very small minority of people can't tolerate that. And so they do have a general anesthesia and that would be done in an operating room. But that is not the norm. So that's kind of the deal. It is, it is a safe um, – uh, and they're monitored. It's safe. So, so I say they're monitored. They're trained to watch you um, – and to make sure that you're breathing okay and all that. Typically, there's not heart monitors and all that because you're basically sleeping. Yeah. So, um, but if you have, they're, they're good questions, Sheila. So if you have more questions about it, um, ask the um, gastroenterologist who's doing the, the procedure. This does not have an anesthesiologist in the room. So you ask the person who's doing the, the procedure, um, either herself or himself, and they can maybe answer more of those questions. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Gene in Stillwater has been waiting. Gene, what's your question for the doctor? Uh, it's two questions. One is, what makes your scalp crawl? It, it feels like it inflates and it, it moves backwards and forwards. And the other one is, what is long and somewhat rigid that when you cross your legs over your, your knees um, and you turn your head, that it feels like something catches and then it snaps. Well, I'm not sure about that latter one. 
Um, Gene, I don't know about when the, the legs crossing thing, uh, unless you had some kind of pinched nerve in your neck and the way you're twisting in your neck gets pinched perhaps. That's what I would suggest for that. The skin crawling thing, people do say their scalps sometimes have weird sensations. It's it's usually it's usually due to a benign scalp condition, dry skin, flaking skin, eczema, things like that. That would be the most typical um, and if you have some issues with that, you might try a medicated shampoo that can sometimes help. Um, uh, it is, uh, it can be a fungal type infection, you know, where you just get a little like sort of how you can get it on your feet. You can get it on your head as well. Um, and again, a, a medicated shampoo would make that better. If none of that helps, then I would see somebody, uh, I would see a dermatologist first. A dermatologist is your hair person your hair and scalp. And so I would see them and see if there's anything they can tell. And if it's not that, it, um, uh, then then I, you might see a specialist um, uh, beyond that. Okay. Let's go to Jerry, who is calling from Owatonna, Minnesota. Go ahead, Jerry. Yes, uh, very good morning to you. I've had two experiences uh, probably in the last uh, four months. Uh, the experiences are uh, upon waking in the morning or after sleeping, I have this extreme dizziness. It's just uh, I can't uh, stand uh, or even sit. And I experienced one last week, and following that I went to the doctor and they checked my blood pressure and did some vitals and everything was normal. So I was just wondering uh, what it could be. Any new medications, Jerry? No, I have not. I have not. I take blood pressure medicine. I'm 70 years old. I have a physical, as a matter of fact, coming this week, so I was just wondering anything I should go in there with that to ask the doctor. Yeah, I would um, – first of all, I would do um, what is, what's called orthostatic blood pressure measurements. Maybe they've done this, but it's where they check your blood pressure in three different positions. So they start you off lying down on the exam table. They let you rest and they check your blood pressure. Then they have you sit up just sitting on the exam table, wait for a minute or so, and then check your blood pressure again. Then they check it a third time after having you stand up. If your blood pressure drops in each of those positions or if your heart rate goes up over a certain amount, that's called what we call orthostatic hypotension or postural hypotension. Your blood pressure shouldn't plummet when you stand up. In fact, our bodies are evolved to make it so that we can walk upright. Your blood pressure needs to go up a little bit when you stand up. But if your blood pressure is dropping, you will get dizzy. And that can be a function of medications. It can be a function of dehydration. It can be a function of some heart issues. And so they can take the next steps from there. So that's the first thing, orthostatic or postural blood pressure measurements. And then a very thorough look at your um, at your medications and see if those need to be changed. Um, uh, blood pressure medicines can easily do this. And if it's not, neither of those things, you might want to start looking at some more advanced imaging things of your, of your head. Make sure there's nothing going on with the blood vessels in your head. Maybe get an echocardiogram of your heart to make sure everything's going okay there. Those would be not the first steps, but they would be reasonable things to consider. Very good. Thank you, Jerry. We need to take a break. We need to get an update on the weather. Let's do that uh, right now, and then we'll get back to the show. Uh, let's get a weather update with Mike Lynch uh, from the Lennox Premier Dealers Storm Center. 
Mike, fill us in. I still see some snow falling, at least outside our window. Yeah, but not for long. It looks like we got a nice break coming into most of the Twin Cities, probably that'll last till about 1 or 2 o'clock, and then it looks like we'll get another wave of snow coming in from the east. I know that's unusual, but that's the way the circulation system is right now around CCO land. On radar right now, seeing some fairly hefty snow west of the metro and even on the western side of the Twin Cities, but again, that's all moving westward, and we'll await that next band of snow coming in from the east still looking at about two to four inches of snow uh, we've had in the metro anywhere from nine to 17 inches already some parts of southwestern minnesota over 20 inches of snow and again another two to four inches of snow today at the airport we've had uh, now 12.9 inches of snow uh, we've already broken the record for the most snowfall ever in april and we're eight tenths of an inch away from having this be the biggest april snowfall on record and if you're also keeping score at home 75 inches of snow now for the season this is the most snow we've had in any winter since 2010 2011 and i'm afraid to say this there's a little snow in the forecast on wednesday but it looks like sometime next week we could hit 60 oh your ray of hope (laughs) very good thanks mike appreciate the help uh light snow and fog mist right now reported our cco temperature reading currently 24 And welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today. That means your general health questions, either by phone or by text for Dr. David Hilden. Let's see. uh, Angie, uh, doctor, is uh, waiting. Angie in St. Louis Park to ask you a question. Go ahead, Angie. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I write with my left hand, and for the past year, I have been having hand tremors when I'm writing, and I have to use both hands to steady my hand. What's the problem? Any other times, Angie, like when you're eating soup or drinking from a cup, do you have tremors? No, just writing. Just when you're writing and it's in your left hand? Yes. Um, You know, the most common cause of a tremor in the hand is a benign tremor. It is generally um, in one hand or the other or both. It's a very fast tremor. Meaning it, it's, it, you know, your hand is kind of uncontrollable, but it's fine. It isn't like your whole arm is moving. It's just a very fine tremor. It's benign. It's not exactly sure what's caused it, but it's a neurologic thing. Okay. If it's a slower tremor, um, you know, where your hand kind of just rolls, that's more Parkinsonian in uh-huh. nature. Um, it, it might not be either one of those. It might just be a pinched nerve in your neck. Um, you know, which is only going to your left hand. So it could be a number of things ranging all the way from this benign stuff all the way up to Parkinson's. I would probably have a neurologist see it, though. What I, the next step is likely uh, not the most pleasant test in the world, but it's called an EMG. Uh, let me see if I can think of what that stands for. It's electromyogram where they do nerve conduction studies um, down your arm, and they can tell pretty well what's going down in your arm um, with that test. And then sometimes they do some imaging. But I would see a neurologist um, uh, uh, because you want to get to the bottom of that one. All right. Thanks, Angie. You know, we have some text messages. I know we have a, a, just a two or three minutes to go here. Do you Let want me to try to do a, a few of them. There's a zillion of them here. Here's one that says, what could cause bleeding bright red from the vagina after menopause? Only once in a fair amount of blood. Nothing showed after a hospital visit appointment with gynecology in a few weeks. Any ideas other than cancer? Um, if the menopause is, is recent, um, like within the past year, then some vaginal bleeding is normal. Um, uh, menopause is official after you've had no bleeding for a year. So it could be that it's just starting and stopping. 
if menopause w- happened for you longer than a year ago, vaginal bleeding is never normal. And so it does need a look-see. Um, and the texter is correct. It's not always cancer. In fact, it's often not cancer. There could be things like fibroids. There could be endometriosis. Um, there could be um, um, uterine artery issues. There could be ruptured ovarian cysts. And indeed, there could be an endometrial or uterine cancer. So you do always, um, women, if you're having bleeding greater than one year after your last menstrual period, do see the gynecologist. As long as this happened just this one time, um, um, I think it's probably uh, – you're just okay to wait for your gynecology appointment um, to that texter. Uh, let me do it. Do I have some time? Sure, yes. We I have do uh, about two more. minutes left. Okay. Um, here's somebody who says, can someone who is going to have an uh, AS, that's um, aortic stenosis, defect repaired, can they return to MRI technician? Also, I have severe right and left atrial enlargement and PVCs. Um, uh, I don't know the, the, the rules for working in an MRI, but the general rule is that you can't have metal in your um, – you can't have metal around an MRI because it's a huge magnet. However, the MRI techs aren't in the room when the magnet is running. So I'm going to doubt there are any problems um, with having uh, an MRI tech have metal in your body. Not only that, um, aortic valve surgery often doesn't include any kind of metal. So um, you're probably okay, but I'm certainly not an expert in that. Make sure you see your talk to your doctor before um, you have that done. Um, let's see. Um, uh, there's a lot of these. Uh, what can I get in the in the time here? Yeah, we have um, about a minute. Okay, so. I have a friend of mine who has a gallbladder that only works at thirty percent. Is that healthy? What should he do next? I've never. Um, he probably had some kind of emptying scan, um, and uh, if you're gall- you can live without your gallbladder, so it's okay to have a gallbladder that isn't emptying quite normal. They usually do it to see if there's some inflammation called cholangitis in the duct work, or if you have gallstones or something. So um, it's it's okay, but um, generally what they end up doing is taking out your gallbladder. Uh, we probably don't have time. Mm. I do appreciate the the loads of texts that we've been getting. There's a lot of them. I will print them out. I will try to get to them, um, but I'm sorry I can't get to all of them. Um, do try in the future. Let's uh, find out what's going to be on the show next week. We're going to talk about kidney transplant. Um, HCMC has been a huge kidney transplant program, and we're going to talk about that, all about kidney disease, and we're going to talk to a surgeon who actually does these surgeries. I do want to alert you. Go to myhealthymatters.org. There is a new post about women's heart health featuring Jill Jordan and Dr. Michelle Carlson. We answer some of your texts from last week's show, myhealthymatters.org. Good deal. We'll see you back here next week. We'll see you next week. Maybe with a lot less snow. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Right now in the Twin Cities, light snow still falling. It's 24 degrees.